Welcome everyone to Moraine Park Technical College's Talent Talk podcast. I'm Kelly Karpinski, a business development manager in the Economic and Workforce Development Division of MPTC. Today we are talking with Adam Rupp, co-founder and president of Wisconsin Lighting Lab Incorporated. Adam and I will be talking about a variety of topics, including his company, his thoughts on attracting people to manufacturing, and his podcast, Willcast, which features a variety of people and topics of importance to manufacturing and the community. Adam, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you very much for, for having me. All right, well, let's get started. Let's talk about your company. For listeners who may not be familiar with it, uh, tell me about Wisconsin Lighting Lab. Sure. Wisconsin Lighting Lab, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, engineers and manufactures lighting products uh, right here in Fond du Lac. Uh, the entity itself has been around since 2017, um, but we're really a collection of three other businesses. Uh, the first business was a fabrication shop that my, my dad and my grandpa started back in the 70s and the 80s uh, called NAFCO. Uh, the second business was a internet marketing company that my cousin and I started in college called 1030 Interactive. Uh, and then the third business was an e-commerce distribution company called Light Poles Plus. So really each one, um, if you look at the history of Wisconsin Lighting Lab, each one served as the foundation for various key aspects of our company, uh, NAFCO being the, the manufacturing uh, base, uh, 1030 Interactive was really the technology uh, side of the business and the marketing side, and then Light Poles Plus ended up being uh, the sales and the, the lighting portion uh, of the business. And again, all, all serve an important role at Wisconsin Lighting Lab. Uh, we were operating the companies you know, relatively independently until about 2017 uh, when we formed Wisconsin Lighting Lab, and then they, they acquired um, those businesses. We rolled into into one company. Uh, our markets that we serve primarily commercial, industrial, uh, sports, uh, municipal, architectural. We really focus on the high output lighting space. Uh, so you know, things that go on a light pole, uh, sports lighting applications. Um, we do uh, control systems for lighting packages. We can do color changing lighting. Uh, you know, we really we try to focus on high output and custom engineered uh, products. And again, um, the vast majority of what we sell is made right here in Fond du Lac. And are you national, international? Yes, uh, uh, international. Um, only about 2% of our business is in Wisconsin, which um, sometimes um, catches people off guard a little bit. But, you know, we, we are, you know, we try and support locally. Uh, we talk about how, you know, we get involved locally in the community, um, but it's always for, for local support. Um, it's not really from a sales development st- uh, excuse me, standpoint. Um, internationally, we've done quite a few large international projects. Um, if you look at our, our sales territory and our sales mix, um, it really follows the, uh, the satellite imagery from space at night of the globe with all the lights on. <laughs> so if you look at the, the U.S. and you know, we do a lot in the southeast, well, if you look at satellite imagery at night, that's where all the lights are. Uh, you know, we do a lot in California, um, you know, being the fifth largest economy um, you know, in the world. Um, we do a lot in the Caribbean, believe it or not. Uh, one of our largest projects um, in company history was was uh, Bagram Air Force Base before it was shut down. Uh, so we did a couple thousand uh, high output lights uh, around the perimeter. Uh, again, pri- primarily in the U.S., but we do you know get outside of the U.S. Uh, a few times a year. And you you fabricate everything here at, in Fond du Lac. A good or? portion of it, uh, we really rely on our Midwestern supply chain partners. Uh, we really brought all of our metal components 
uh, into the Midwest uh, three or four years ago. So we were buying some castings and some metal parts uh, overseas. And fortunately, we got this started pre-pandemic uh, where we started to do more onshoring. So onshoring now is... Um, you know, it's a trend that's picking up, you know, picking up steam. Um, but we really started this uh, several years ago. Uh, if we don't uh, fabricate it in Fond du Lac, it's it's made in the Midwest. Uh, we continue to look for opportunities every single year uh, for vertical integration. Um, right now, we're designing a uh, an overhead conveyor system that'll be able to handle uh, 40 foot uh, tubes, um, as well as we're designing a, a powder coat uh, system with a five stage wash process and blasting equipment. And we really uh, we're going to be doing a lot more investment on, you know, on the on the capital side of things and in manufacturing. But there are certain things that um, we won't make in house, certain components, because we have such an amazing supply base, uh, not only here in Fond du Lac but also in the Midwest. And we really, you know, try and take advantage of that and partner with great companies, um, you know, whether whether it's made in house or it's made at a vendor. You know, we we always try and you know partner with people that understand that you know our customers are first and our product is first and fortunately there's a lot of good companies in the area that think that way so i have been um to your facility and one thing really stuck with me is that it really doesn't look like any other manufacturing facility in a lot of ways um you know you bring a lot of your passions to it so you like to race you have the garage yes. uh, where you take care of your cars uh you have a team member who likes to brew beer and so you have that space um i saw you know a drum set in the corner um and even the decor like it just really doesn't you know look like you're traditional and for those of you uh listening i'm doing air quotes <laughs> on traditional <laughs> uh, manufacturing space so how much is that your your passions just being shown through your business and how much of it is to just be a little different to attract a certain employee? I think that's a really, really important question. And I think that, you know, we could do probably hundreds of podcasts on the topic, but I'm, I, it's really exciting that you identified that because we're, you know, we are very mindful about um, making engineering manufacturing uh, exciting uh, you know, it, it, a lot of it stems from, you know, a couple things that happened to me early in my uh, career where I was, was, this is like 2010, and uh, I was going to really hire the first person outside of like my friends and family group. And it was an intern, and um, they ended up coming through, and it was, it was, uh, we were all set up to, to hire them part time. And I was working late one night. And uh, a, one of this this guy's professors called me. It was about it was like eight or nine o'clock at night, and the phone rang on the company line. Which we did a lot of business in California, so six p.m. calls were common, eight p.m. calls were, were less common. But I answered it, and it was you know so and so professor uh, from one of the colleges in Wisconsin, and he was more or less vetting us as a company. He said, "I just drove by your company today, and I don't think you're a real business." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "What do you mean?" And he said. It, it looks, you know, it looks a little bit sketchy and I'm not comfortable with so-and-so interning there. And that really, really uh, made a mark on me. And it was just about a week before that, uh, we had another person that turned down an offer uh, to come to work for us. And it, it was, wasn't just those two situations. 
but you know, I it really wanted to create a place here in Fond du Lac in in manufacturing that people wanted to come to work to, and um, you know, so that, that was that was part of it. Uh, but also, you know, I, I you know, growing up, I did a little bit of traveling, but not a lot. But you know, as I got older, I started to do more traveling. You had college friends that went to work at various companies in financial services or in the tech industry, and I could just see that they were having a lot of fun at work. And, you know, if they're in Boulder, Colorado, or if they're in San Francisco, or they're on the East Coast, you know, it was, it was assumed that the place you were going to work, you know, it, it looked like a cool place to work. And there, you know, there, there are cool people working there. And I'd always thought, like, why should they have all the fun? Like, why, why is it only okay for an application development company in, you know, Boulder, Colorado to have, you know, beer on Fridays or have a more casual place to work? And, you know, that was really applying a lot of that stuff. Um, now, with that said, we're extremely serious about our business and our products and our customer. And 99.999% of our focus is not on, you know, having fun at work with, you know, drum sets and in and, and a brew lab and a podcast. Our, we mean business with our customers and our products. But the things that we do, uh, you know, have fun with, it's, it's a lot of things that happen organically. It's common interests. You know, two of our engineers are, you know, they're into music, so we have a band at work. Uh, you know, a longtime engineer, um, you know, he was into home brewing, and we built our new building. We decided to put in a, a, you know, a brew room. So these are things that were not forced, and they do not, you know, they don't distract from the day-to-day, but it was really a way to make work, you know, more exciting and also, also do that for the factory floor. So, you know, certainly... Uh, you know, we're not the only company that has a cool office place, you know, to come to, but, you know, why shouldn't the factory floor also be, you know, held to the same, same standards? And I think that's really where a big kind of paradigm shift uh, needs to happen in manufacturing is, you know, a manufacturing building is not just this big box on the side of the highway that nobody ever visits. It's a place with, you know, real people that, you know, you know, they want to, they want to be held to high standards. They also want to hold the company to high standards and they want to have, you know, a a good place to work. And I think it's really holding the office and the shop floor and the people managing that to the same standards. Um, You know, uh, you know, rather than just kind of segmenting those, uh, you know, those two groups. So um, there's always things that we can work on. We're not perfect at this. Um, You know, there's, there's always things we're trying to improve on, but just kind of some thoughts on where, where that stems from. And it's not, it's also not just me. It's, it's uh, our other managers, our leaders, you know, again, we try to make it organic and, you know, things that we do are, you know, they come from a place of kind of shared, um, you know, shared perspective and, um, you know, shared mm-hmm. effort. So uh, what have you seen locally in manufacturing? You know, traditionally we always talk about um, it's not, it's not an industry that people are attracted to. Uh, or maybe, you know, I hear a lot still about parents aren't, you know, encouraging <laughs> their children to, you know, get in, For get sure. into manufacturing. Do you see that changing at all locally or what, what have think, you seen? I think maybe a little bit, um, you know, it's, which is interesting, I, you know, I came from a small business manufacturing family and, um, my parents, aunts, uncles, uh, you know, grandparents definitely encouraged me not to get into manufacturing. Like it was, 
you know, it was go do the dirtiest job um, that we can give our kids so they, you know, they don't end up, you know, they don't end up doing this. So I think that it will take a long time for that to change culturally. And, you know, those parents are not necessarily wrong because there are a lot of places that, you know, they do need to inject some positive energy into the operation. They do need a better place to work. Um, So I think that, you know, as much as we need to redirect people to get into manufacturing, we should not trick them into get, getting into manufacturing. They should get into manufacturing because it's truly a good place to be, not because we have, you know, we, we have tricked them into going to that versus financial services or versus other industries. So I, I think that I think it can change. I think part of the way it's going to change is uh, you have, I think it, it'll start in engineering. I think engineering is a, is a good place to start because, you know, engineering has, you know, one foot in the office and one foot on the factory floor. And right. they're oftentimes the communication node and the cultural node mm-hmm. between, you know, the office network and the shop network. So, you know, I, I work a lot with, you know, Envision and I'm on their, their MIT committee. And I'm very much trying to encourage them right now to spotlight engineering and make, um, you know, make engineering really the focal point of Fond du Lac, um, because I think that is what's going to allow us to scale, um, you know, some of these other cool things that happen on the factory floor. So um, I think it is changing a little bit. You do have really great companies here in town like Excel Engineering and Wells, you know, Vehicle Electronics and, um, you know, uh, Thieves, you know, getting uh, G&L, you know, down the, down the street from us. There are so many cool things being made in Fond du Lac that nobody knows about. So I, I think it's in part, it's as much of a marketing challenge of even if we did nothing else from a, like a cool factor, if we just continue to get better at spotlighting it and focusing on the builders and the engineers. And I think that's the way to shift it. And maybe it is happening a little bit, but I, there's a lot more work that needs to be done because I mean, manufacturing unfortunately does deserve some of that reputation and, you know, we need to, start to do our part to shift that. Mm -hmm. So what made you um, shift since you said your family was like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. So (laughs) what, what brought you into the family business or, or, you know, into manufacturing? Um, I, let me, that's a, that's a really good question. I think it was seeing how much opportunity there was uh, you know, a lot of, in a lot of, with a lot of small family businesses, they don't change a whole lot. You know, they can, they can operate the same way for, uh, many, many decades in some cases. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that, you know, I try and, you know, prove our operation now every single day, every single week, every single month. So, you know, I looked at a lot of the small businesses that I'd grown up around, uh, you know, my other family members have small businesses and, you know, my, my, my parents did. And I thought, man, if you could, if you can inject the, you know, the, the, the energy and the continuous improvement and, you know, a lot of the things that people, you know, get excited about in other areas of, of their life and other industries, if you could apply that to manufacturing, I have this theory that I think, you know, you know, really cool things could be done. And, uh, I think that's really, that was, you know, part of the, the driving force. Um, and then also just trying to create a, a, a place where I want to work. You know, it's, you know, a lot of, it's scratching your own itch. It's, uh, you know, I, you know, if we all have to work at least a third of our lives and, you know, why not come to a place that, 
you know, holds people to a high standard, um, but also, you know, ha- has fun and works on cool products and, you know, surprises ourselves every once in a while and how much, you know, stuff we're, you know, how much cool stuff we're doing. And, uh, yeah, that was, I think that was part of the reason to get back into it. And I, you know, I really enjoy engineering and manufacturing and product development and product management and, um, you know, architecting, you know, just, just the way that the machines and the computers and the people and everything kind of, you know, you know, work, work together. And, um, it is, I, I love it. I love, I love manufacturing and, um, you know, I'm happy that, uh, you know, you know, I end up going that way and I'm, I'm you're really, you know, we're really blessed to have a great group of people to, you know, to support the company here in Fond du Lac. Mm-hmm. How about reaching the youth? As I mentioned, you know, a lot of people, well, when, when I hear some manufacturers say, you know, the parents are, are encouraging their children not to go into manufacturing. They kind of look at, you know, where can we start as early as possible <laughs> within the K through 12 yeah. system? I- any thoughts there, uh, you know, of of kind of helping those students see the possibilities? Yeah, I think part of it is redefining what manufacturing means. Um, I think when a lot of people in this area think about manufacturing, their head immediately goes to somebody on the on the shop floor. Um, but, you know, manufacturing companies are much more dynamic and diverse than that. You have financial positions, accounting positions, sales, you have business development, you have application engineering, product engineering, you have product management, um, you have, you know, operations, you have super, you know, supervisors. There's a lot more than, um, than, than meets the eye. So I think part of it is education, awareness of, you know, the different things um, within manufacturing. You know, manufacturing is the general umbrella. But it's mm-hmm. it's kind of segmenting the different teams and departments within a within a manufacturing uh, company. Um, what was the rest of your question? Um. <laughs> <laughs> How do we get oh. to the oh. K through twelve? <laughs> I think that that is kind of naturally happening because of the internet and the yeah, everything is becoming digital. Um, you have 3D printers, you have online CAD design software, you have YouTube, uh, you have, there are things that are naturally uh, happening. I think one of the things that I think is going to happen is I think by the end of the decade, you will have ex- you know very young people in high school or maybe even younger developing um, you know, fairly advanced companies in manufacturing. I think the same thing that happened in tech with you know sales and marketing and application development where the people running these companies slowly got younger and younger over time that same thing's going to happen in manufacturing because of the technology tools available to you know the makers in the world you know ma- making things has historically been extremely capital intensive extremely labor intensive and you know that is that is very much shifting it it's happening slower than you know some of the software uh, development but I think it's going to naturally happen. You know, we 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 work a decent amount with the incubator uh, team in in North Fond du Lac, and you know, I'm just blown away at times how you know smart and um, enthusiastic these kids are. I think the thing where maybe they lack a little bit is just the awareness of what it means to build and make things. Uh, you know, in my view, we need 3D printers and CAD design software. And you know, testing equipment and engineering equipment. The more we can invest in that and those tools and put them into 
high schools, the better. So that when somebody goes to start a business or they you know start a project, they're not always thinking in terms of, you know, a t-shirt company or, you know, s- some of these things that they're more aware of, like you can start, you, know, you, c- you could start a company, you know, one of the people we're working with, they're, you know, they're making a, uh, a you know, a product where we're going to help them 3d print a, a prototype for their product. You know, our 3d printer was $700. It's not a huge expense, but they need the 3d printer plus the idea, plus a lot of the digital, you know, design knowledge and once those things come together and happen and somebody can develop a product, you know, in the same way they can, you know, compose uh, an email in Microsoft Word, I think that's really where this explosion is going to happen of young people doing a lot of things in the, in the maker space. And I don't know the exact timing on that, but again, the more we can invest in engineering and, you know, instill that into kids, I think that that's really where the shift happens because engineering is the node between, you know, customer and marketing and in the manufacturing. Mm -hmm. It's really an enlightening thought to think about, as you said, what, what happened in tech with so many people, right? They developed a software, they developed, you know, whatever it might be with tech and then was able to sell it. You know, you hear these stories about they were able to sell the company when they were in their 20s yeah. and they've just moved on and, you know, moved on and on and on. Yeah, and, and those are the, you know, those are the huge home run, you know, sto- stories. Right. But there right. are thousands right. of stories that we never hear about of people that, um, and it's not even necessarily starting your own company or owning your own business. It's just, you look at, you know, companies like, you know, Tesla or other, you know, other other companies, they're hiring you know, people straight out of college and with mm-hmm. and giving them enormous responsibility. And it's because the, the, the tools that are available now to people in software form, in digital form, the information that's available, um, you know, it can, you know, it can make them an extremely, uh, you know, productive uh, team member. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think that, Again, I think that is going to happen in manufacturing. I and I think we're an interesting barometer because we're you know we're a small business, but we're a small business you know with the average age of thirty three, uh, you know, a manufacturing company. And I just I think we're an example of well how that shift is going to happen. Again, we have twelve three D printers. Five years ago, there's no way we could have afforded twelve three D printers. So I think that you know it's just interesting to see you know see some of that shift. The other thing that I think is slowing things down is the cultural differences between folks in the office and folks on the shop floor. And, you know, there's people have been so segmented for so many decades and they have, they have, you know, the ways they operate and, you know, the, there's sometimes, you know, the lack of diverse approaches to certain things. I think there has to be kind of a churning and a mixture of departments and cultures and for, you know, people to kind of get more on the same page. Um, You know, I, I look at, you know, I look at, uh, you know, how many people, you know, we, we take it for granted, but how many people have actually even ever visited a manufacturing company? Not many. No. We no. assume in Wisconsin no. that everybody operates this way and everybody has an uncle or an aunt or a brother or a sister that works at a manufacturing company, but almost nobody, you know, like nobody has. So I think that, and there's, again, there's these big cultural differences between the people that operate on the shop floor and in the engineering team and people that should be getting into engineering um, or, you know, into manufacturing, we have to find a way to, I think, get more people interacting and understanding each other. Um, I think that's a huge, 
that's a huge step. Mm-hmm. And as many manufacturing uh, facilities I've been in, I think every single one of them in on some level amazes me. Either Absolutely. what they're what you know what they're making or you know their their production, whatever it may be. I I feel like I walk away every time going, wow, that was, you know, really something amazing. Yeah. So, and I do think that, you know, one of the, the upsides of the last three years and all the things that we all had to deal with is there has been a spotlight on supply chain and that is going to force people to, uh, you know, invest in areas where they previously just relied on the standard cadence of the supply chain and their suppliers. And I mean, it, it's forcing us to be more vertically you know, integrated and forcing us to invest in, um, you know, in things that we wouldn't have even thought about. And I think that same thing is going to happen with, you know, the average person that's not in, not in manufacturing. So it's just kind of like stirring the pot a little bit and, uh, you know, getting more people of diverse opinions, you know, interacting with each other and understanding each other. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, we already mentioned another thing that maybe makes you a little bit different is that you do a podcast. We do. <laughs> and you call it Willcast. Yes. Um, so, you know, tell me about this. You have recorded nearly 50 episodes as of this conversation we're having here. Uh, why do a podcast? And, you know, what was your goal in doing that? Yes, we've done 50 external episodes or so. Uh, but we've probably done about a hundred internal. So the podcast, uh, you know, like some of the other things we do really comes from, you know, scratching our own itch and we're, you know, we're all into content and podcasts and, and YouTube and, um, you know, it's just the way that people learn, uh, in a lot of ways now. And, um, it, it really started when I started working, um, I interned with my dad in college and, um, you know, they're a small shop. They had one welder, they had one machinist, and they had one, uh, one painting person. And I just, I remember saying to him, I'm like, man, these people have all been here for 30 years and there's no procedures. There's no documentation. Um, you know, a, there's so much important knowledge in their head. Like, how do you, you know, how do you get that out of their head and onto paper and, you know, document it? And, um, you know, they really never had never even thought of, had thought about it at that point. And, you know, really what, you know, what I came up with is I said, we're going to record them. We're going to go talk to the welder and we're going to say, you just did this custom base plate on this, on this light pole. You know, you're going to be on video and tell me your welding procedure or, you know, we're going to bring in the office or we'll record. And it was completely impromptu, um, you know, on a phone. And, uh, I guess at the time it probably wasn't a phone, but it was some type of recording <laughs> device. Sure. And we just created this library of of content. And, wow. um, you know, this was like 2006, 2007. So it was very, very early, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I, it just stemmed from not wanting to make things any more cumbersome than they had to be. If you can make things easy, people more likely to do the right thing. If it, if it's hard and there's a lot of barriers to doing it, it never ends up happening. So then what happened over time is, you know, as we started light poles plus, and we started to grow Wisconsin lighting lab, um, you know, we, when I would hire somebody, uh, I would just send them some recordings. I would I, you know, I, I, I drive a lot and, you know, to make use of driving, it's either audiobooks or, uh, you know, helping, you know, recording training for people. So instead of sitting down at a computer and spending my whole morning putting together uh, a document 
um, that somebody may or may not read, I would record it, I'd send them the audio file, we would sync up on it. And this just became more and more formal uh, over time. And then um, at some point we made it into an internal database that people could, uh, you know, go on the website and log in and, and look at training videos. But we would do, you know, a custom product or a custom project or we'd have a new customer or something interesting would happen. And I'm like, we have to capture this somehow. You know, one method is to, okay, go put a PowerPoint together or go send an email, but let's just talk about it. So we sit, you know, sit down, we talk about it, and that become became the training, you know, a training regiment for uh, for new hires, um, and eventually it turned you know external. And um, Becca, our, the Willcast producer, has been you know she's done a great job at uh, um, you know at, at really getting this off the ground. Um, and you know a lot of it, I think st- you know going forward, a lot of it is when we meet somebody new, or we need and we have to learn something, or you know why not record it? You think about all the conversations that you've had, you know, in your professional career, all the people you called to get advice from the people you learned from, if you could have recorded that and cataloged it and, you know, someday make it searchable, just think of the wealth of free knowledge that you can give people. So, you know, I look at some of the 50 episodes that we've done, you know, we've done, and some of our kind of embarrassing, the level of knowledge that, that we had at the time. Um, but, there's so many of them where I look back and I'm like, that was the initial contact or conversation that sparked, you know, this new idea or this direction. And, um, you know, I hope that we can continue to do, you know, will cast and maybe even pick up the pace. And we have other ideas of doing factory tours and, you know, and really broadcasting a lot of the cool stuff that's happening here in Fond du Lac. But really, I think the, the mission of, of will cast is to, learn as much as possible from our you know our local Wisconsin community and broadcast it so other people can learn. Um, and I really, you know, I think 10 years from now, hopefully you can go on Willcast and get a, you know, PhD level understanding in how to run an engineering manufacturing business, you know, for free. So that's, I think that's, that's well, the goal. We'll see, you know, see what happens, yeah. but yeah, that's the idea. Have you seen, um, I guess one of my questions was going to be if there was a business goal satisfied by doing the podcast. It sounds like you've gotten some ideas. Um, that's an, what that's an interesting question because there, there, it, I think for sure it is hard to measure because mm-hmm. it is not immediately impacting sales. Um, you know, I think there sometimes is, uh, you know, you know, maybe certain people are questioning um, internally or externally, like how does this exactly fit into the will mix? Um, but I, I, it has helped in many, many ways, uh, whether it's, you know, networking you know, with mm-hmm. you guys, getting involved in Vision. Um, you know, we've gotten more mm-hmm. and more involved with, um, you, know, you know, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, and they run the Manufacturer of the Year, you know, contest. And it's really this general kind of Wisconsin PR effort that again, it's not always easy to measure, but it has a large impact on, you know, our, our talent pipeline and just kind of the overall uh, will messaging within our community. And I, I, would, I see Willcast as a component of that. And um, I would say every single one that we do and every single month, it, it becomes probably more and more clear as to how it fits into the overall uh, the overall mix. Um, mm-hmm. but it is, you know, it is interesting too, cause it's very, you know, we do not do any editing. Um, it's completely off the cuff. Uh, you know, I, 
you know, I stay pretty busy. So my preparation for Willcast is, you know, when I drive up that morning, I, you know, I just kind of think, <laughs> That's it. I think about a few things that I, you know, want to ask, you know, ask the person. And, um, it's, you know, it's not as polished as stuff you'd see from, you know, maybe Mercury Marine or, you know, other larger companies in the area. But I, you know, we, I also get the sense at times that people kind of appreciate the, um, you know, kind of the authentic nature. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that's, I think that's a good thing. And if, if, you know, if mm-hmm. we look back two years from now, we say, okay, we weren't as knowledgeable on that topic as we should have been, but is it still better to get the content recorded, you know, get it out there and get learning? I think, you know, pretty much the answer is still yes to that. Right. I think people appreciate a certain level of authenticity, certainly. And it's just, you know, and, and we should say for the audience that it is uh, videotaped and recorded. Yes. So this is a videotaped podcast. Um, Another thought I had as you were talking was it probably, you know, I know you've you've talked with other uh, manufacturing leaders in in the area. So just being just having a chance to sit down with one of, you know, with a a colleague, basically, uh, you know, from another another business in town must just be, you know, valuable in and of itself. Oh, yeah. I would think. Yeah, for sure. Um, I. you know, I, I've, I interviewed, um, somebody, uh, that I, no, I did the podcast interview with somebody that I actually interviewed 10 years ago. Um, and they turned mm-hmm. the, turned the job down. So it was just, it was <laughs> oh, interesting. It was just, it was interesting <laughs> to see, you know, where their career has gone, you know, where Will has gone and, you know, just an authentic, you know, conversation on these topics. And there's so much that we can learn from each other. Um, you know, she, mm-hmm. you know, she may, is in a human resources role now and just to be able to you know we, we probably set that you know that podcast up or becca set it up during a time where we had to learn about something within that silo or within that discipline mm-hmm. and um you know just to be able to pick their brain on camera mm-hmm. is is super valuable and uh mm-hmm. you know i think one of the things we're going to do in 2023 is really, really, really narrow the focus on engineering and manufacturing. Um, you know, at mm-hmm. times we have dipped beyond that, which is, which has been great, but I think as part of kind of the cohesive message around a focus on engineering, a focus on manufacturing, I think that's, you know, that's certainly one thing that we're going to do really spotlight the people in the community that are, that are doing great things. And I think also that, you know, people that don't always get on camera, like it was the first few that we did, you know, they were, they were engineers and it was, intimidating I think but it was like these are the people that we that we need to hear from these are the people that are designing the products these are the people that are designing the applications and I think it's also important to you know not only not you know not just spotlight the CEO or the president of the company but you know know, talk to the people that are running the day-to-day and talk to the people that are solving the real problems within the organization um, and give them you know give them a platform to you know voice their ideas and um, you know, I hope I hope we can do that as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how many people will want to podcast <laughs> or have the ability to do it, but but it really started out, as you said, with just trying to to record whatever way it might be, whether it's verbal or you know, and or video. If people, if any businesses out there want to start something like this, they're saying, you know, those are some good ideas. We should start cataloging these things. You know, this might be, if I think of succession planning yeah. or, you know, any any tips for those 
Yeah, I would just start doing it. Like I would yeah, think that just go. you know it's easy to overthink it. It's easy to um, there's always an excuse um, you know not not to do it. But again, you know we started out just it was very very unpolished and um, you know it doesn't have to be external. Like I you know I'm a I'm a very introverted guy and I was not comfortable with it you know, initially. But um, you know we we try and push ourselves to do things that we're not comfortable with and. Uh, that was, that was, you know, that was part of it. And I think it's also, you know, make sure you have some, um, you know, some of the younger generation, the next generation in your organization. Uh, cause you know, that age group, that demographic is extremely good at this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is also what excites them. And this is where, you know, people, you know, uh, you know, in that age group can really contribute a lot. Uh, you know, we're fortunate to have a very tech savvy, uh, group, um, uh, Tyler, uh, a strike, who's our, our VP of technology is also, you know, one of our owners as well. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a digital marketing wizard, but he's also a, you know, a computer hardware and software wizard. And he really sets the tone on a lot of the tech stuff that we do. Um, and he was the one that set this up, but again, it's, it was probably based on a few hours of research and some YouTube videos. And, you know, I think that, you know, once you, once you're motivated enough to do that, I think you'll be surprised just how many tools there are available mm-hmm. and sure. just get started and kind of get learning. Sure. So if somebody wants to check out your podcast, um, how do they do that? Uh, you can go to our, our website, uh, willbrands.com. Otherwise, go to uh, YouTube. Our, our company YouTube channel is called Willcast. Uh, so that not only includes uh, our podcast, but also project spotlights, uh, you know, product videos, uh, you know, other, other kind of, you know, product support, um, uh, mm-hmm. videos, uh, sure. we, I, but I, I actually, and Becca would not like that. I don't know this, but I think it's on a lot of other <laughs> platforms. Well, I okay. think it's on Apple podcast and, uh, okay. it's on, uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I believe so. I believe so. I, I, am a YouTube guy. So I, um, if I do listen to, a, you know, a will cast, it's typically on, on YouTube, but, uh, I think you can pretty much find it, uh, everywhere. Uh, but yeah, this year, you know, we haven't, I think, I don't know if we've even done one this year. We've been so busy with other things, but, um, oh, the other thing I'll say advice wise is get in the habit, mm-hmm. like get like, sure. like we, 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 we tried to hold ourselves to a one a week, uh, cadence. We couldn't quite do that, but it was at least two, you know, two a month. So I think getting the habit, whether you want to do it or not is also, right. is also key. So we got to get back in that right. habit for 2023. So Stay tuned on YouTube. Yeah. (laughs) Put it on the schedule. Yes. (laughs) Schedule yourself to do it. All right, Adam. I think we have exhausted our uh, list of things we were going to talk about. (laughs) Are you sure? We can keep keep going. We could keep going. We could keep going. We'll we'll have you back. How about that? So thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks for all you guys do here um, at, at Marine Park and um, you know, if there's anything we can do to help, um, you know, we also, we do have a, a charity, um, that, uh, two of our, our team members founded called the ledge games. And we have given, you know, we've given a lot uh, in scholarships to Marine park over the years. And we're happy to support, uh, you know, that effort. Um, if you want to go to, uh, check that charity out, it's, uh, ledgegames.com and you can sign up to compete, uh, next year, but you know, all the proceeds either go to scholarships or to, you know, other, um, 
you know, other causes in the area to support engineering manufacturing. Um, and then, you know, to plug some of our products and things that we do, uh, go to willbrands.com. We do a lot of local sports uh, projects. Um, every single year we donate, sure. donate at least one partial lighting system to a local field. Um, we did Lakeside Park. We did Mount Calvary. We did Fondy Soccer Complex. Um, you know, and again, we'll either donate a partial or a full field there. Uh, we've got, you know, 20 or so salespeople and engineering team members that are, you know, can, you know, support your project. Um, if you're a contractor, if you're an engineer, you know, reach out, um, go to willbrands.com and we'd love to, we'd love to work with you. All right. Wonderful. Thank Thank you. you very much. Well, listeners, you can be among the first to know about future Talent Talk podcasts and so much more by just subscribing to our newsletter. To do that, visit marinepark.edu slash newsletter. That concludes today's Talent Talk podcast. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.